Viewer's discretion. If you have headphones in, I highly suggest turning it down for the next three seconds. Good morning, Vietnam! Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your life extraordinary. And when a shooting star streaks through the blackness, turning night into day, make a wish and think of me. Make your life spectacular. What's up, guys? It's the 4-Way Stop Podcast with you today. We have a big show for you. Super excited to bring you Robin Williams today. If you didn't know the first three quotes, you simply do not know movies, and you should go spend some time with some popcorn on a couch. I'm Yash. And I'm Caden. And I'm Colin Bishop. And this is your 4-Way Stop host. Guys, like I said, we're super excited to bring you Robin Williams today. Couple announcements before we get started today. Uh, we're we're we finally up on podcast or Spotify Soundly now. Um, we'll be uploading on there probably once or twice a week. We're 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 going to be coming out with a uh, a playoff NFL playoff podcast here shortly. Um, and I don't think we have any other announcements there. We have a few sponsors that will be rolling out soon, so we're excited about that. Guys, do you have any announcements to say? Anything you're excited about? Um, so they start talking about Robin Williams. Robin Williams, he's a great, great actor. Yeah. Robin McLaren Williams, born July 21st, 1951 in Chicago, Illinois. Raised alone in a mansion. His parents, Lori and Robert Williams, Robert was a worker for Ford. He was a top executive chief for him. Uh, worked in the Midwest. Worked in the Midwest for him. He traveled a lot. Robin often said that his father was intense. You know, he every time he came home, they didn't they didn't really bond a lot. But when they did bond, it was often about building something around a car. Like they they they'd build a car part together. So what you expect from a uh, board executive? Board executive, exactly. And his he, mom. His mom was a former uh, actress and then also a model at mm-hmm. the time. And so having both working parents and both having high st- like high social status jobs, mm-hmm. he grew up wealthy and he grew up in a mansion. Alone. Alone. And during this time, he had two older brothers or two oh, older uh, half brothers that were on his dad's side, but they were much older than him, so he didn't associate with them at all. And so, during these years of Robin, his parents were oftentimes, yeah, they're all, they're gone, he just, he's just, there's someone babysitting him, having a nanny, and he didn't really have really social interactions with anyone else, like his parents were there. So, yeah, I mean, they were there, but but they were, they were were, gone, you know, and it's it's crazy because Robin was raised alone in a a 40-room mansion. Like, could you imagine? Like, we, and most of us live in, you know, five rooms. Every day of a month, you could go to a different room. Exactly. (laughs) And it's crazy because, could you, like, imagine, like, just walking around in 40 different rooms? I mean, that would be terrifying. That would be terrifying. Could you imagine at night you have to get a glass of water and walk in? (laughs) You have to walk an hour back and forth. At the time, like, I would see, like, on a surface level, that's basically what every kid wants. They want to grow up in a big house, they want to basically. Robin basically, if he wanted something, he had it. Like, exactly. His parents had the money to get him whatever he wanted. If he wanted something, he had it. In the child's mind, that's the that's a dream come true. But it wasn't such 
a dream on the inside because he was so lonely that he started having playing with his toys to make up characters and toys to like this is like when he first started like basically I would say kind of just like directing because it started yeah like entertainment yeah yeah, how he entertained people and so he'd get these toys and basically multiple like toy soldiers he'd come up with twenty different personalities and. He would create different characters in his head and just like talk to himself. And how confusing that would be. Well, not for Robin. This was Robin. Like, yeah. This explains kind of. This also is gonna lead into like who Robert William Robin Williams was later on in life. Like, I, you know, for all, after studying, you know, he he was he was always lonely. Like he always had something something going on in his head. And I mean, honestly. You, you think about it, you know, you, you don't stop growing until the age of 25. He's, what, six, seven, eight years old? Mentally. Mm-hmm. Mentally. Yeah, mentally. Exactly. But, like, that that's just, you know, that's, this is where Robin Williams started to develop so, those those traits and characteristics and internal issues, you know. And I definitely think, like, the internal issues he was dealing with as a kid, he never dealt with. He never dealt, dealt with. with and never, I felt like you could, like, once we go on the podcast, you'll clearly see that at the end of his yeah. life. Because... Playing with these toys, directing them, basically replaying battle scenes that have happened in history. He did all this to cope with his loneliness. He did all this to, like, help him feel like there was someone actually there with him. He made characters to feel like there was someone actually there with him when there really wasn't. And so I felt like he never dealt with with those issues. Mm -hmm. So skipping to the sixth grade, he talked about how this was the hardest year of his life. He said that students normally like would make fun of him. They would call him names, and he said that this is this is kind of the moment in his life where he he switched to comedy as his defense mechanism. Like, like obviously that hurt him as a person, already being lonely. And then could you imagine going to school and then be like, no one likes you. No one likes you. They're calling you names, calling you weird, and like could from just from a child's perspective, that's just that's hard to take in because like as a child you want to have friends you want people to like you you Mm want to be because then like if you don't have those people to like you you feel like there's something wrong with you exactly and like at the time like he went home most days crying after just constant name calling and constant physical harassment he didn't know how to handle it and like as a kid you're just it's just kind of thrown into like oddball since he never Mm -hmm. had that personal relationship with his parents that he couldn't really build that personal relationship with his friends and even Mm -hmm. He didn't even know how to handle that. Here, here's, here's a crazy part, too. I'm sure everyone knows Dead Poets Society. I think that's the second quote that we got Carpe Diem from. Yep. Shout out Miss Stevens letting us watch that. Uh, Sophomore yeah. year. Uh, she should let us watch it again. Miss Stevens, you're listening to this? Yes. Let us watch it. Anyway, so get this. So he mostly went to private schools with, with all the males. Boys, and yes. so it almost replicates what Dead Poets Society is. Like, that's it's an all-male school. It's strict. That's what Robin Williams was raised from. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is. And I don't like... It's crazy how he ended up playing a lead role in that movie when it was basically his life. Mm -hmm. And that's what fit him so well as an actor in that movie because he could personally relate to all that. Yeah. So then they end up moving to the coast, California. Went to Redwood High School. Uh, Here, San Francisco to be exact... His world changed, you know. He went from, you know, strict, uptight, to relaxing. You know, it's the big hippie movement. Hippie! Hippie! He was in Detroit, and now he's in California. California. Okay, it's a hippie, like, hippie movement. This is huge. Yeah. You know, he started heavily, like, revolving his life around drugs and 
you know, bad things we want to talk about, but that that's where he kind of started, you know, his early addictions. To different things, exactly. like marijuana, yep. different... Like, cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine, alcohol. It was just like at this time, just like, that's what you did as a hippie, that's what they brought on. I mean, they, come on, when in the 60s? Yeah, when in the 60s? Yeah, <laughs> Rome. Anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of where Robin kind of takes his... You know his new lifestyle from moving locations, so that's a huge, huge part in his life. So get this: his first performance was an impression of a history teacher named Tino Levezo. First funny performance of his life. So his history, his history, history professor, they had to do like an improv thing, and he got up and they were reenacting teachers, teachers. from around the school, and he got up on stage and made the whole school laugh, and everyone loved him. And this is where he kind of found. His, his, put, yeah, because he felt passion. he felt accepted and he felt yeah. like successful at it. And during this time, I mean, that's the one thing he felt like he succeeded at, like at the time. Yeah, that and that that's crazy because I mean, he just got up on stage and just went for it, and it was that kind of started exactly. He's he's the heart of comedy, so I mean, as soon as he hit it once, he's like, I like this, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing it. So also at the time, but uh, Robin got involved into wrestling, soccer, oh yeah, and. He was proven to be uh, like accepted, like he was a successful athlete, but he always showed that he had a bigger passion yep. for improv. He showed that's what he loved, he loved doing. Improv. And you'll see that whenever he takes off to college. So Robin takes off to Claremont. What the, wait, hold up. The funny thing is, at the beginning, he was so successful at improv, and at the end of his high school career, he was voted the least likely to succeed. What the heck? Yeah, he was voted the least likely to succeed because that hippie, he grew out, he started growing out his hair, wearing tie-dye shorts, short <laughs> shorts, sandals. He just grew out, like he was just and a hippie. And like, that hippie culture. And you'll see that whenever he goes to Juilliard. We'll talk about that in a second. But, so from there, and by the way, guys, this, we, we have studied this guy for almost two weeks now. This is essentially when you walk into a really hard test and you look at the front page and see 10 questions and you can name every single answer in your head. Like, we, we, we've we Speak for yourself, Claude. Speak for yourself. Shut up, Yash. Anyway, so so then Robert, Robin's going to take off to Claymont Men's College to study political science. And here, Robin is going to skip his classes and he's going to go to guess what? Improv class. class. Or that. Yeah, Yash, do your research. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so this was the Claymont is actually an all yeah all men's college. Pitzer was the only class with females, and this was the improv class. So, you know, Robin's chasing chasing women, and, chasing tail, and he also finds improv. And there you go. Um, so yeah, he skips his classes, and his dad's like, "I'm not paying for your school if you're gonna you know skip your classes and go to improv." Um, and from there, he goes back to Morin, I believe. Mm -hmm. He uh, community theater. Yeah, college. he gets involved in a community theater college, and during those classes, he would improvise a lot. And this kind of started building more of like educated improv, uh, improvise, and being able to basically stand up there and improv in a more educated and more entertaining way. Yep. So just like, I mean, anything, football or anything, you don't just naturally go out there and just be yep. good at it. You have to practice, practice, practice. He, he loved improv. Improv was you know, his, his first love in acting. And so from, from uh, his theater college, he wound up at Juilliard yep. on a full scholarship. Mm -hmm. And get this, he was, he was, there was two people, and he was placed in the advanced 
advanced uh, part of his classes. Yeah, and this was in 1973. Gotcha. And he was also, the other person was the future Superman actor, Christopher Reeve. Wow. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, the the two of them, and really, uh, Williams said at the beginning, like he said, Christopher uh, Christopher Reeve got accepted this because he was handsome. He was good uh, yeah, looking, extremely, extremely handsome, handsome extremely right. good looking, mm-hmm. and Robin Williams got accepted because of his talent. He was of so his funny. Journey. He was so yeah. funny. He was he entertaining. And great. so there was two different separate people. You mm-hmm. have someone that is handsome, probably really, I would say, confidence kind of like feels like bold. bold. What yeah. Superman was. That's what. Yeah, that's exactly. what Superman was, and he fit Superman. But they were polar opposites. Exactly. Like but they worked. Together. They were. They were great together. They were. They were and Robin said, "Closer than brothers." Them brothers. They were closer exactly. than So that kind of so taking back to the hippie movement, on Robin's first day to Juilliard, he wears sandals and shorts in New York Not City. Not something you do to Juilliard. Juilliard. <laughs> I don't believe so. Uh, so that that was that was kind of funny. And he talked like he they uh, Christopher stated that he talked a minute a mile. Yeah. Or a, a mile a minute. <laughs> but uh, he just basically showed so much energy, so much passion, so much just who he is, the entertainer. He couldn't contain it in himself. And so I felt like he had to let it out. And, and this was the you, one thing he could do. You can see that in like clips. Like watching a lot of these guys, watching a lot of Robin's early improv clips, you can see this man was genuinely talented in speaking. and Watch the videos in a minute. In in the comedy club, it's great. Yeah, it's it's great. So, junior year, Robin drops out. Drops out. The school is like, you know, we can't do anything else for you. You are so advanced. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna go. I think back to California, I believe. Uh, but before this, uh, he spent some time in Central Park as a mime. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he did. He did. And one of the funny things is, is like during this time. One like at this school, you know, it's college and you're pushing you get degree, mm-hmm, degree, mm-hmm. get degree. His instructor told Robin that he uh, was a he was a genius who is not being properly served at the moment. Like you at Juilliard, in Juilliard, the biggest most school. known acting school. Robin Williams was too good for this school. This is what one of his instructors said. So, like, what do you do after that? Like, what do you, like... I'm going to pack my bags and head on back down. It's like going to Harvard, and then the Harvard professor telling you that they can't teach you anything. Yeah, Like, what are you supposed to do then? Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damon. (laughs) Just watch that movie. Anyway, so from there, he's going to go back to San Francisco, California area. And from here, he's going to fill in as a bartender as well, as this is where his improv uh, performances really pick up. Mm-hmm. His first gig was at Holly, uh, or Holy City Zoo. Yep. Uh, the early sets were uh, frectic, uh, border on uh, psychotic, kind of just like no one has seen anything like Robin Williams. There hasn't been a Robin Williams, and there probably will never be never a Robin Williams. So when he came into these crowds of people, it was just oh, something new, something just like everyone loved him. Everyone he loved him. Was unique. He's the heart of comedy. Like no one will. And guess I, I looked up top ten, top top ten actors um, from just ever. Robin Williams was on five of those lists. I, I mean, I looked. Should have been eight. on more. He should have. Exactly. That's how big. You gotta think about how many actors there are in the world. Robin Williams is top tier. Robin Williams is the heart of comedy. Like I Definitely. said. Definitely. 
Get um, this at open on the opening night of one of his improv uh, performances. It's an opening performance. There's 300 people there. Robin Williams is standing on stage, and the mics go out. Okay. And, the, yeah. and he's like, yeah. he's like, don't worry, I got this. Robin Williams walking, walking through the aisles, walking through the aisles, and just puts on a show. Everyone loves it. You know, the the mics don't come back on, and Robin kills it. The sold out, mm-hmm. sold out audience. Robin kills kills it. it. Amazing. His early stand up was influenced by the likes of Lenny Bruce, Peter Sellers, and Jonathan Winters. And he was just man. He was crazy. He just had all this pent up energy. That's why he was able to sell out with all the soundboards going. Or um, when they didn't work, he was able to put on a show because he had all this energy. Mm-hmm. And a quote from Robbins is, "See, the problem is that God gives men a brain and a penis and only enough blood to run one at a time." <laughs> I <laughs> so love like, that quote. <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> so I mean, at the time, you could clearly see. Robin was, you could clearly see that That's from Robin. <laughs> he cool. loved, he, I mean, he said this and he, cause he knew the crowd would react. He knew like how we reacted, we'd be funny. He knew let, how to get reactions out of crowds. Let me match, let me match your, your quote from Robin Williams. Michael actually sent me this. Robin Williams says, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. And I, we'll get into that a little bit later, but. You know, Robin Williams was such an inspirational guy. It was yeah, just crazy. He's he's great. So we'll go into that in a bit, but we're gonna keep talking about this. So, you know, with his performances, it was great. But then, you know, when he was done It was kinda like it, he's he's lonely, it's it's back to that. So Bennett Trammer was uh, was a writer for Rom Robin's stand up. And you know, essentially, that's like having a uh, a backup hitter for Barry Bonds. You essentially don't need one. So I mean, Bennett Trammer was never really working essentially, but you know, oftentimes Bennett Trammer and Robin would be together, and Robin would introduce Bennett as his best friend, and Bennett would say like later on, you know, after Robin's passing, he would say Robin needed that. Robin needed that that friend in his life, and. Bennett was was that guy for him, you know, for through the seventies and early eighties. But that that was that was that's his best friend, friend for ten years. So and I definitely think it kept him stable at the time, especially yeah. because he s- stated that he found out very soon that stand up is stressful. Yeah, it yeah. comes with a high and then ends with a low, yeah. and that's just how it was. It felt like when he was doing stand up, it was very high. He was on a high. Just happy, just full of energy, and then after stand up, he went and he was He's super low. Mm-hmm. He was just super low, and I felt like this was a constant pattern, which just caused a bunch of stress. Realizing, like, man, why can't I always fit, be on this high? Yeah. And so, so he's he's also a part time uh, bartender, like I said. So he's seeing another comedian, which he's living with at the time, and he's at a show with his his friends, and they're like, "Well, are you, are you gonna are you gonna tell this comedian girl you're living with?" you have another girlfriend he's like nah what are you talking about anyway they get back to the apartment together and the girl's like hey do you have another girlfriend like it's okay like, it's fine <laughs> and so uh, not like, something yes. you would expect exactly so Robin takes off and this he, he meets Valerie Velarde this is his first of three marriages but this this was his wife that he met at the bar and they were married in June of 1978 
So that's going to be his first wife, who he eventually has his first son with, which we'll get into in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is when he gets his first big chance on live TV. Happy days. And uh, how he got this was he was brought appearance uh, to uh, Gary Marshall, the director of the sitcom Happy Days, by the show Richard Poirier Show. And through this... Um, during this time, this was on season five, script writers were running out of ideas, and they didn't really know what to do, and he also wanted to find something entertaining for his son, because here's, his son... Here's a cool fact for you right here. So, his son, like you were saying, mm. his son was like, well, I want to see a spaceman, you know? He wasn't interested in Happy Days. Exactly. So, they bring on a spaceman, Robin Williams, they get him from the side of the street in San Francisco, and he has his, his hat, hat was full. Out. His hat was full. Well, we're taking Robin Williams. So Robin Williams oh, also funny. the only guy who showed up for the audition for the Spaceman. So their idea on this was, I guess like Star Wars had just come out, and they were like, well, you know, they're having they're having some success. So that there's some space. So let, let's get let's get something from mm -hmm. them. So they take a Spaceman, mm -hmm. and there you go. Robin Williams takes off. It was kind of funny. I don't really know a lot about Happy Days, but they basically did the. That episode with Robin Williams about the guy having a dream of going into space and meeting Mork. And that's like, uh, that's kind of like his character and meeting Kim. And it was kind of funny how, and then he found out it was just a dream. And then eventually they made their own spinoff spin right. of Mork and Mindy. They got on the fall channel of ABC, Mork and Mindy. And this is, yeah, yeah. So this is where they get, this is where he himself gets his first Golden Globe. Um, that was that was, like I said, because of the recent success of Star Wars. You know, they wanted to bring in Spaceman, like I said. So from here, this is when he gets like his first low budget comedy film, August third, nineteen seventy seven. Out comes, can I do it till I need glasses? And that that's kind of Robin's first, you know, movie. This is his his first thing, you know. So and then we're gonna skip to January nineteen eighty. He gets his first starring role in Popeye. You know, Popeye eating the spinach, swell muscles. That's Robin Williams, apparently. Um, so from there, and listen, guys, during this time, Robin Williams, he was still on his addictions from his hippie movements. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he drank, he smoked, he did cocaine. And I definitely... Uh, he made this statement when he was performing. He said, do I perform sometimes in a manic style? Yes. Am I manic all the time? No. Do I get sad? Oh, yeah. Does it hit me hard? Oh, yeah. That was Robin Williams. Uh, and you can kind of just see that in all his, all his uh, shows. Because he was just acting, and it was kind of like he wanted to escape reality, it kind of seemed like. He wanted to escape and wanted to like be a different person and be a person that would just able to entertain me person that was just able to like it basically like a fairy tale like yeah. he it was basically like he was just in a fairy tale when he was improving and shooting so two years later skip to his close friend John Belushi a fellow comedian at the time dies of an overdose and this is kind of where Robin quits his addictions right because at the time John Belushi invited him over they snorted some coke together. He left. He didn't spend that much time. Uh, Robin Williams didn't. So he leaves. Uh, 
takes, you know, his nap or whatever, he goes to sleep. Then the next morning, Mindy from Mork and Mindy, I don't know the actor's name, comes up to uh, Robin Williams and he she says that John Belushi died of an overdose. Which is kind of just like shocking to him because he realized, man, this lifestyle takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your mental health. It takes a toll. And during this time, his first child, Zachary, was coming up, mm-hmm. and he it made him realize. It made him realize just like, man, I need to focus on what's important because if I keep living like this, I'm gonna end up like John Belushi. And he was he, one at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. And he didn't. No, he wasn't born yet. Yeah, he, he wasn't was born in, yet. Okay, he was coming pregnant. up, and pregnant. he just really just like kind of eye-opening realized like one of his close friends dying from the same life he was living yeah and so here's here so the thing is comedians at this time all live like the same life with a few variations obviously john belushi and robin williams are different people but they were living similar very similar similar lives lives. crazy so here's a cool fact for you at the time uh billy crystal uh whoopi goldberry founded and Robin of course founded the Comic Relief USA and this was basically a non-profit organization that raised money to give up homeless people and up until his death in 2014 it raised 80 million dollars really that is 18 80 that's a sick amount okay we did 1500 for chess club he did 80 million million for homeless even greater yes um so and in between, after this, he, you know, he kind of, he's calmed down. This is when he starts making his, his big shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Seize the day in Good Morning Vietnam. Vietnam, that was the, you know, the opening quote I pronounced. It was in 1987. Um, so from there, this kind of leads to his first divorce with Valerie in 1988. Uh, they split. And six months later, he's married to Marcia Darcis. Which is... The uh, caretaker of his child. Yes, the nanny of his first child. At the time. Which is, like, one of the statements he said about his divorce, divorce, he said, ah, yes, divorce. From the Latin word meaning to rip out a man's genitals through his wallet. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a weird term right there. Um, So, and at the time. New Latin people. New Latin people, yeah. So, at at, at the time, this... You know, during his divorce and you know during the new marriage, it's when he comes out of Dead Poets Society, an instant classic. It's not yeah. crazy; you can be going through but, so much. And I think like, he said during during this time, the only person that kept him straight was Marcia Grimes. Mm-hmm. She made him go to be just like organized, be able to focus on Dead Poets Society during mm-hmm. this stressful time. I've never been through a divorce, but I can imagine all the stress and all the court cases and everything oh, yeah. that you have to go through. And so with his, with his wife, Marsha, he has two children, Zelda Ray and Cody. Zelda in 1989 and Cody in 1991. Um, after this, he And kinda, yes, Zelda was based on the game. No, it wasn't. Zelda no. was not out yet. <laughs> oh. For, for you, my age, people who know Zelda is. Okay, it's Zelda's not a little gosh. older than um, us. Is it? I think it is. Yeah, definitely. it is. Well, I don't do my research on that. Okay. So, from after this, you know, he gets into the famous roles of Aladdin and Goodwill Hunting. But Aladdin, he, he didn't want, he did not yeah, want to have a big role. The thing about this, he told Disney 
that he didn't want to be 25% of his uh, of Aladdin cannot be used on commercials. He didn't want his name in the credit scenes. They couldn't use his voice in toys. They couldn't use his voice or anything. anything. They basically just could use the only thing they could use. They couldn't credit him because he was doing another big film, Goodwill's yep. Hunting, during this time, the only thing they could use was his voice in the movie. They couldn't say who was acting. And because he didn't think at the time was going to be a big hit. He just thought, oh, it was just going to be another movie that p- kids listen to and not really adults or anything people find interesting. And he got $75,000 from it, just from that role. He recorded 30 hours yep. of just, uh, I guess, voice. and Voiceovers. Then, yeah, yeah, voiceovers. And then most of it was improv. Yeah, most of it was improv, and they only used a certain amount of it, and then that's all we did. Fun fact. So, the animations were made after he did his lines. And also... Really? Yes, and to get him on board, they would take clips of him in a comedy club and animate them. Whoa. So that's what convinced them to... uh, So, and then after this, he comes out with Good Will Hunting, which is the movie I decided to watch... Uh, after Miss Piper told me to watch it, says the best movie ever, uh, and this is a fantastic movie. He takes, he's a teacher, I believe, and he kind of he helps, you know, kind of helps this really smart janitor working at MIT uh, kind of break his mold of, you know, being a, a snobby kid and just really breaks him down. It's super emotional movie, and Robin, he just is such a an amazing movie and my, my favorite quote from this movie is he says he's, he's talking to Matt Damon in his office he says you don't know you don't know about real loss because it only occurs when you love someone something more than you love yourself I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much and this this movie guys was was amazing if you haven't seen this movie I highly I suggest it. it it's fantastic and you know this he you know and after this he he makes a couple movies, um, Night of the Museum. He did you know three parts in that. Yeah, he was in Robots, uh, The Big White. Uh, I think at this time he started like hitting just like oh yeah just age. downfall just kind of like and like during this time as an actor you could see actor actor over actor when they're not up on top they get kind of like in a low spot yeah. when they're not making the best movies or making kind of just the low spots and like when he said. When he won, uh, uh, won his first uh, his award for acting, he uh, his Oscar. He uh, they said everyone was congratulating him the first week, and mm-hmm. then after that, it se- it seemed like he turned to a normal guy again. And so, like I could kind of see like how he felt like, man, just hitting a slope, and that's exactly. But like Robin loved. His passion, he was happy when he worked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he like like I said, I mean, he had he had work in the two thousands, but it wasn't like anything of his roles in the nineties. Like he, I mean, he wasn't front and center, and you know that was just due to, to old age. That's what, that's, that happens that's with everybody in life. Going down, and that, you know that, that's just that's just how it is. And so, um, in two thousand and eight or two thousand ten, I believe, uh, he gets divorced from his second wife. Right. Marsha. Which uh, I think it was just Marsha ends up leaving him because they were unable to handle Robin's relapse. Relapse. This is the time he relapsed because he, I feel like he wasn't getting the satisfaction he wanted from his movies. His acting acting careers. He wasn't getting the satisfaction from it and kind of just made him feel like 
the only thing he could turn to was drugs and alcohol. Exactly. Well, I no, I don't think say, he, No, no, he was. I, yeah. I meant to say, he, um, in, in one of his movies in 2003, uh, he was he was forced to, to drink in one of the movies, and that picked him back up. Yes. That's where he started his, his addictions addiction back. And, you know, also the time, you know, he's facing depression and not being at the top of, you know, the acting, the star Ooh. roles. And being so he's going to he's gonna do that to, 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 to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So this is where his addictions pick back up. Uh, and Robin faced a deep depression. Um, financial problems towards the end of his life were, were a big deal. Uh, he was in Well, debt he sold everything. Company. Yeah. So, so then he gets, he gets married to Susan Schneider. And this is his wife that's with him, you know, until the, the day he passes. Mm-hmm. And she was a graphic designer at the time. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, so so Susan. Well, and he met her while recovering from a heart operation yeah, in two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, he had a heart surgery. Um, oh. And also, just to go back on Robin's addiction, what he said: cocaine is God's way of telling you, you telling you, you are making too much money. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Williams. That is very understandable. <laughs> um. So, Josh, what? <laughs> so. You guys didn't hear anything? Forget about what we just heard? What? Um, yeah, forget about that. Yep. So in 2013, you know, people start realizing there's there's problems. Um, and they go to a doctor's office, and he's diagnosed with early stage Parkinson's disease, uh, which we find out later yeah, on is it's false. It's really body disease. Diagnosed with something yeah. else. Uh, but from this, they're like, okay, well, it's, we're going to start, we're going to start going on medications, Robin, like, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna have a good 10, 12 years, and and Robin didn't, you know, he he was at peace with it. He didn't believe that it would hurt his acting career, and over over time, you know, and so he was actually at the time filming Night of the Museum three. The director Sean Levy has a fantastic interview with 60, 60 minutes show. You guys should totally check it out. It was. It was great. It was the first time he had publicly kind of came out with Robin Williams' last movie. Uh, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, you know? So Sean Levy, he he kind of talked about how Robin Williams, he could tell. As soon as he, as soon as he showed up for, for movie three, he was like, what's, what's going on with Robin? Like, everyone realized this. And during the time, he moved away from his wife. Yeah. Like his wife stayed back and he moved to go film Not in Museum 3. Yeah. So he was alone. During this time, he went home to alone and then he went to go shoot. And then he went back home alone and then went to go shoot. He exactly. was just alone. So Robin was, like like you said, always alone. Um, and, but yeah, like I said, Sean always talked about like he couldn't remember the lines and he couldn't put actions matching to match with his words. And basically, like Robin really struggled in this movie, and everyone saw it. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't just Sean. It was everyone. And and Robin would call Sean at late at night, like two a.m., four a.m., and be like, Sean, can you even use any of this stuff? Like, is it is it all just terrible? And this and this shows Robin mental state. He he stayed up, he stayed up. And one of one of the things that. One of the things that was with Parkinson's, which it wasn't this, it was paranoia. Like he was paranoid that his his work was was bad. Which I think, 
eventually he uh, they found out after his death he was diagnosed with Lewy uh, body, body disease. disease. But Parkinson's and Lewy body disease have very, very similar. similar starts at the beginning. It's very similar, and it just causes it affects the chemicals in the brain, and it changes in turn can lead with problem with thinking, movement, behavior, and mood. And at this time, he was taking this medicine for this disease he didn't even have that wasn't helping. Wasn't helping him. And so, and, and, and Sean would tell him, like, Robin, you, you're the heart of comedy. You are everyone, you are everything to this, to this world. Like, you've inspired millions of people. I believe in you. Your work is amazing. And he tried to reassure, he tried to reassure Robin, you know? Um, and one of, his, one of his buddies, one of his comedian friends that he knew for a very long time, Rick Overton, was, like I said, also a comedian for 40 years, or knew him for 40 years. He, you know, they messaged back and forth. And then, you know, three months leading up to his death, you know, months leading up to his death, they, the messages got shorter and shorter. Like, he stopped communicating with people. And Rick kind of talks about, he, he says that Robin did this in order to protect the people around him from his struggles. And like Caden was saying, he was alone all the time. So, I mean, not, really, not many people really saw what was going yeah. on with him. I think that happens a lot when we watch movies or actors. Yeah. We kind of just give them this, when we see them, we give them this role in this movie and don't really think of them mm-hmm. outside as a human being, as a regular person. Exactly. And so I um, think that's what he wanted to be seen as, just a movie or, actor, yeah. just because during that time it seemed all his lines were perfect, everything how he was was perfect, and they didn't see the struggles outside of movie mm-hmm. acting. And like, like even researching this guy, like you realize he went through so much, like and two never, divorces, another marriage, you know, you know, two two different moms of his children, like he went through a lot. How many different acting roles did he do? You know. How many Hundreds. different characters did he have to portray? And, and, like, you see in today's acting world, like, the Joker, like, that ruined his life. Yeah. Like, so many actors have to dive into what they have to become the character. Is. Exactly. Missing and so much, those, so, so much of those characters are, they live so many different lives. And at the end of his life. And Robin lived in these, these characters. He had so many mm-hmm. characters in his mind. He, he was this character. When Robin acted, he truly believed that he was that guy. Definitely, and at the end of his life, you could see he started taking on a bunch of dark side characters, yeah. characters dealing with mental problems, just exactly. all these characters that kind of like made him start, which is kind of ironic. He started having all these problems, mm-hmm. and he was also taking all these on um, these yep. dark side characters that had all these problems. Exactly, and so on the tragic day of August 11th, 2014, Robin Williams took his life. Mm-hmm. It was terrible tragic. Story. I remember seeing this on the news as a kid, like walking, you know, I think I was walking back to the kitchen to grab a snack and I was walking back by the bedroom, you know, you walk by and you see Robin Williams found Confirmed dead in his dead. home. And it was just, just sad. Because I knew him as a kid. And that's the thing. Everyone knows who Robin Williams is. Mm-hmm. Like, you yes. say his name, people are like, Robin Williams, I know him. You show a picture. Robin Williams, I know him. And that just shows you, like, Robin Williams impacted millions of people. In his life, like Robin Williams was, he was much more than an actor on the screens. He, he was, he was everything to, to comedy. He was the beginning of comedy. Robin. There's no one like him. There's nobody like Robin. And so that's when they sit Susan down and they tell her two months after his death, 
that he battled Louis body what is, disease. Which like you can't talk yeah, about the precise cause of Louis body disease is really unknown. It's there's no just, cure yeah, for it. there's no cure you for it. Do. It's a brain disease. It's a brain degenerative. Yeah, disease. it's dementia. All these dementia diseases, there's no cure and they don't really understand why. But we do know that Louis body disease is associated with loss of neurons in the brain. It produces two important chemicals called neuron trans- uh, neurotransmitters. We learned this in AMP, but the thing about this is realizing, learning this, it affects the loss of acetylcholine that is important for memory, learning, movement. You release acetylcholine into your muscles when you move. It's just vital for just memorization. Then also another important chemical that is vital for Mental health is dopamine. You get dopamine when you play sports and get a high. Dopamine is basically a chemical that releases a feel-good feeling in it. It gets you motivated. It keeps you just happy. It keeps you wanting to do things, pursue things. When you uh, be successful or do something successful, make a good grade on test, it releases dopamine. Everyone knows what the effect of dopamine is. When you do something good for sports, they know it's dopamine. And dopamine is triggered in your body to keep you motivated and keep you driven to do what you want to do and without that dopamine you kind of just feel empty lost not really understanding of like what your direction is not really understanding like why you feel the way you do because it's a chemical you don't control it it's your brain that controls it and so this disease was literally taking away his, his just drive to do drive. anything it was taking away his memory it was taking away who he was he ended up getting like who he was was getting taken away from him. Exactly, and that's what Susan says. Susan says that she walked out of that, that doctor's office and was like, it all makes sense. Everything makes sense now. Louis body disease, you know, its common symptoms are anxiety, depression, hallucinations, insomnia, paranoia, and sleep disorders. And the thing was, they say that Robin dealt with this for a long time. Robin could have had this for, you know, years. throughout years. 20, 15, 10 years. He could have had this forever, you know. And it finally worked up and it caught up to him. Built up. And and Susan, you know, kind of talks about one of his one of his um, disorders, like his sleep disorder. She said that that she would wake up or she would wake up because he would he would like sit up in bed and like look at her and talk in like a daytime voice, like, hey, what'd you think of this, honey? Like just like that would freak me exactly. out. And it's four AM. Yeah. And like and here's here's the sad part. Like eventually they had to start sleeping apart. And when Robin took his life, he was in his own bedroom. bedroom. And it was actually not until uh, eleven AM until and, they found him. And it him. wasn't his wife that found him. I think it was his agent. It was his, his agent, his, his personal agent. Uh, agent that found him and they and had a the wife the wife talks about how when he got home from Night of the Museum three, he was exhausted. And you know, on this Well day before that uh he went uh, that night. He took. He thought some of his designer watches were being stolen. Holy cow! That's and so, yeah, exactly. his, he thought his designer's watch would be stolen. So he stuffed them all in his sock, and then went and took them to one of his friends' house. Yeah, left him yeah. with that. Came back. He told his wife good night. They went to sleep, and then they. She woke up the next morning. He's like, "Robin's still asleep," but they thought it was kind of like positive because he's still sleeping. Because he's still sleeping because he needed to sleep. sleep. Because he, he hasn't. Sleep. He hadn't been he sleeping. Right. Exactly, like that. That that nails. It shows how exhausted Robin was mentally and physically. He was just drained. His he body was drained. Was drained. He, 
his body his body was killing him yeah. inside out and he was just fighting a battle he couldn't win and you know one thing you know kind of going back to the the night of the museum thing and the sean sean levy interview he talks about how robin couldn't find himself and he thought that that was unforgivable he he wasn't robin anymore and you know they think he lost the battle of sanity he did it he just he, he ended up losing it and you know the 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 killing or the suicide of robin it it was such a huge deal in the world like you can look up the pictures there's there's so many flowers laying in front of his doorstep like the community loved him everyone loved him and that just shows like it doesn't matter how popular you are, you are always going to deal with stings. You are a subject to mm-hmm. Mother Nature. Exactly. Everyone is human at the end of the day. And, you know, like that quote I said earlier, everyone's dealing with battles no one knows about. And, like, that's Robin, you know, he couldn't overcome Girl, those he battles. Spoke from personal experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then he, Caden's going to kind of get into Zach. His, uh, his son was very deeply troubled by the death of his father. He felt like his father needed someone during the filming of the Night of Museum 3 because he was alone. He felt alone. He, he yeah. felt like he needed this and he was upset at himself because he, he wasn't there. there. He he deeply regretted this. He deeply troubled him and it kind of just hurt his heart. It weighed him down. And he made this statement right the day after he died, which is kind of just heartbreaking that you have to come up to the public after your father dies. It's just like, it takes... A, it takes a lot of heart to go do that, but he knew it was important to the public. He said, Yesterday, I lost my father and a best friend, and the world got a little grayer. I will carry his heart with me every day. I would ask those that loved him to remember him by being as gentle, kind, and as generous as he would be, seeking to bring joy to the world as he saw it. And even Zach knew that the thing that his dad desired most was to bring joy to the world. Exactly. And it was just so heartbreaking to see him coming to this end of his life, being able mm-hmm. financially broke, mentally broke, his body was breaking down, and he, he just didn't know how to handle it. And Su- Susan says this, uh, Robin spent so much of his time helping, of his life helping others. Whether he was entertaining millions on stage, film or television, our troops on the front lines, or comforting a sick child, Robin wanted us to laugh and to feel less afraid. And and everyone out there listening, Robin had a tragic ending to his life, but that does not, that does not decide who Robin was to this world. Robin was much more. Robin will live on forever. He is instant classics. Every, everyone, like I said, everyone knows who Robin is. Robin will forever have a lasting impact on this world for what he did, not only in the in the the movie side of things, but for what he did for the people watching it. He created happiness, and that's something people chase in today's world that Robin created. That's what makes Robin a the best comedic top ten actor of all time. Definitely, Robin lives on. His, his movies live will live on. The person he was will live on. The actor he was will live on. And he will be remembered for being this entertainer, great comedian, just kind of... Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. 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 Mrs. Doubt
It's just going to be he left a mark on this world that was positive and left a mark that was that inspired people. Yes. 89. So, exactly. Yeah, he, he exactly. left he left a mark inspiring people to just seek Live joy to seek Live what their passion was. He didn't have a he didn't have a backup plan. He knew what he was he wanted to pursue. And I'm kind of going to get into this a little bit. If you need help, like Robin wasn't able to express that he needed help. He kept it in. If you need help, please reach out. People 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 love you. I promise. There is somebody out there willing to listen to you. I've asked for help myself. I I know these two have probably asked for help themselves. Like there is there's people you can call, you know, there's there's hotlines you can text hello to seven seven four one seven four one. Like you can text them. You can get help. There's, Talk to us. Most of you are at Children's High. Exactly. We're at Children's High. I promise. We will sit down and talk to you. Like, guys, I, I like Robin said, everyone goes through battles that no one knows about. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, looking from my own perspective, you look at every person you walk by on an everyday basis, you have no idea what's going on. You truly don't. And that's why, you know, Robin says, be kind. Be kind in this world because there is so much going on that you have no idea about. And you know that's kind of going to conclude our, our podcast today. And I think this episode was it, it was... it was a big episode for us. It was Definitely explaining the life. Heartfelt. A, a very heartfelt. I, I was watching the documentaries and videos, and I was freaking... I was crying because yeah. Robin Williams was such a freaking... Good character. He was such a good person in life, but just knowing that he he had so many issues, it just makes you hurt. Because when you saw him on screen, he was so happy. His smile was contagious, and and just knowing that he his life ended so tragically, that's it. It's it hurts your heart. It does definitely. And I'll end it on a positive note. Yeah. Robin Williams said sometimes over things that I did. He was talking about things like he kind of like that hurt him. He said, movies that didn't turn out very well, you go, why did you do that? But in the end, I can't regret them because I met amazing people. There was always something that was worth it. Robin Williams. And this just shows that even though he was going through all this, he wanted to pursue the Night of the Museum because there was something worth it. There was something worth gaining from it. And he loved it. And I just want y'all to get that. Robin loved pursuing his passions, and there was he found worth in it. Exactly. And I just say, bring joy to those around you. Exactly. Lift up those around you. Uh, there, there is not enough light in this seemingly gloomy, dark world at times. And so, when you can impact someone's life, do it. Because, like I said, you have no idea what is we going on. We are on this one planet together. Uh, let's make the best of it. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, guys, that's going to conclude our episode today. I, I genuinely hope you enjoyed. If there's anything you take away from it, call us. That last part, okay? And here, here's one quote to end it from Robin Williams. I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy. Guys, go forth living like Robin wanted to make people feel. Go forth living positivity positivity and to end it on my favorite quote you're only given a little spark of madness you mustn't lose it 
Guys, this is the Four Way Stop Podcast. Thank you for listening and tuning into this this episode of ours. Without further ado, we are out. Peace, Peace and love. Signing out. Peace and love.